When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Matter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And it's just Paul Doolan. Yeah. Uh, That seems to be uh, the way at the moment. I saw Dave Watson yesterday. Yes, he told me, but I couldn't make it, unfortunately. He was down in London. Yeah. Missing, you know, things like Leon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, we went for a pint. That was nice. I saw he beat you at pool or something, or he was mentioning that. He did, actually. It was really... He beat me 3-2 at pool. Oh. Like, and throughout it, like we, the topic of conversation throughout it was how much of a better pool player I am than, than him. And then we just sort of noticed at the end, oh, hang on, I've lost. <laughs> so that was oh. annoying. Mind games. Mind, because you keep on playing those. Um, so, Paul. Yes. Well, how have you been? I've been good. Yeah. I've been pretty good. And now that I've got that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I should have just filled for a bit longer there. Sorry, I don't care, really. Yeah. Um. So we've had two games yep. since the last last pod. Uh, the first one was against uh, Wolves. Another, it was our, our Wolves doubleheader. Yeah. And uh, it was the end of uh, Wolves' stay. In- <laughs> I was going to say, where do you, do you think they stayed there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we're done with that. Wow. We're done with that. Relief. Yeah. So we won. We did, 2-0. 2-0. Dave Watson was at the game, he told me. Yes. He, I spoke to him on the phone yesterday. He was saying that. So, lucky him. Yeah. And what did you think of that? I mean, you didn't get to see the, the whole I game. I only got to see the highlights and heard some of it, but it's reassuring. I mean, we both made quite a few changes to the game before, but it's a relief in a way to know that there's a feeling that we at least changed the problems of the game before we didn't stick with kind of the same system it's sort of we seem to learn lessons from the first Wolves game so what was the change in the system I think it was just we made about seven actual personnel changes I don't think the yeah. system really changes much apart from 
the experiment of Perez on the left was ended, so that was good. Because yeah. that never really seems to do much. We had Goufran back. Well, he's done that a lot in the last couple of years, though, hasn't he? But... Yeah, but I think, for me anyway, it looks like Perez is our second choice number 10 and will just be rotated in that position. So it's between him and Diame for that role. And now we've got Atsu. Hopefully, it'll be between Goufran and Atsu for the place on the left. Right. And Aaron's when he's back, I suppose. Yeah. Another goal from Goufran? Yeah. A stonking volley. It was weird because you can't really see how he connects with I'm it. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because so many people were saying what a good goal it was and you could sort of tell from where he'd hit it that it was a good goal. It looked almost really like a, yeah. a glitch on FIFA 98 where a player right. just flies across the screen in a really weird way. Yeah. And like hits the ball. There was no sort of... I couldn't tell you what happened with his legs or feet. It just looked like the whole of Goufran flew across and connected I think with there the was ball. something marsh, martial arts about it. Yeah, it was a bit like the... There was an Andy Cole goal where he sort of jumped quite high and scissor kicked right, in yeah. the... I think it was our first or second Premier League season. Word on the street is that... Um, <laughs> so have you just been on the street? Yeah. yeah. Word okay. on the street is that the players closest to Goufran uh, heard him as he kicked it go, Hadouken! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it had, yeah, there was a bit of a street fighter too. There's to a it. bit of that to it. Um, but let's not forget Matt Ritchie. And he does look a little bit like Dalsim from Street Fighter 2, so. Right. Maybe. Okay. Well, curiouser and curiouser. Yeah. Uh, yeah, something to be looked into there. Yep. These, these, these can't <laughs> just be coincidences. Um, the, the first goal was from Matt Ritchie. Yep. Uh, a lovely little... Nice team goal. And it was good to see Jack Colbeck actually doing something positive. He's been played in that sort of part of the two-man midfield base for a lot of this season. And I found myself this season and last thinking, what does Jack Colbeck actually do? Yes. But when he gets a bit further forward, he is actually fairly decent. Like He can link up play. He can pass a ball. And he... Like, he seemed to score a lot early on in his Newcastle career, Colbeck. And... I can't remember the last time he got a goal. Um, did he score a lot? He scored. He had a spell of sort of one in every three games for a little while. Or it right. felt like, I've, as with a lot of things on this pod, that's not necessarily factually accurate. But it's based on feelings. Well, we're, that's the era that we're in. We're yeah, post-facts. Post-facts. Post, post facts. It's affecting football as well. Um, uh, one thing that Dave mentioned... Uh, who was obviously fortunate enough to see the the whole game, mm-hmm. was that um, Grant Hanley was apparently immense. Yes. And I asked, in what sense was he just a brutal bastard or was he, you know, a cultured centre-back and... It was very much the the, yeah. the former, yeah. Yeah, there's a sort of Colin Hendry, big Scottish lump element to him. Just to get back to you on the um, Jack Colback scoring a lot of goals thing. Well, a lot is a stretch. Well, you said you said he scored twenty goals last year. <laughs> I said a hatful. Well, did you say a hatful? No, I didn't. Right. <laughs> well, I'm guessing it would be a very small hat if I had. Well, how many? I mean, how many Didn't goals he get about four? 
in his first sort of 10 games or 15. Oh, okay, well, he scored five in his, his Newcastle United career. Oh. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But anyway, he's not been really let off the leash to go forward much. And I think he does seem better further up the pitch. Well, when he had his involvement in that Matt Ritchie goal, and I, it was, I thought, oh, who was that? Yeah. I noticed it was him on the replay. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Jeff doing was there? in their box. <laughs> but um, good for him. And yes, nice that uh, Grant Hanley got a good review from Dave. And from other, some other people. That'll do his confidence a lot of good, Hanley, I think. Getting the, uh, the okay from Dave. I think that is the... It's a big thing for players. That is the, the bridge you sort of have to cross. Yeah. And if you don't... Because Dave, when he goes to a game, he sits there kind of like a, a Roman emperor. Yes. In a coliseum with his, his thumb waving, ready Very to so. give the thumbs up or thumbs yes. down to players. Yes, it's amazing <laughs> how how they're able to see it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's on the screen. Yes, of course, the big yeah. screen. <laughs> Emperor Cam. So, um, I can picture Dave quite clear, more clearly than I should be able to in a toga. I don't know why. I think he'd take to a toga well. Oh, good. If you're listening, Dave, that's not, that's not, a, not having a go. It's not a criticism. <laughs> Just saying you'd look no, good. I in. could see Dave in a toga. Yeah. I wore a toga, um, for seven months in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> you really are from the streets, aren't you? Yeah. Well, more the cul-de-sacs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to wear a toga. Yeah, only on stage, I'm guessing, not like... Uh, it, you didn't yes. go method and wear it all the time. Uh, no, no, but it was... I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. There, there's a reason we don't wear togas anymore. Yes. And it's because they're not very easy to wear. They're not practical. No. Now, so that's the Wolves game. (laughs) So that's the Wolves game. The Aston Villa game. Yes. We watched it together. We did. There was uh, about two days of texts (laughs) trying to work out a pub in London that might be showing the game instead of the Arsenal-Chelsea game. Yeah, which is quite hard. Although I did find, if ever you're in that position, I don't think it's just a London website, but I think it's matchpint.co.uk. You can choose by game and it'll tell you which pubs are showing it. Now, I don't trust it. Because you you, um, were singing its praises. Yeah. And then I wanted to double check. So I called one of the pubs that you were saying that Matchpint told us we're going to show the game and they said they weren't but wasn't that second telly was broken yeah their tv was broken i don't the website can't be across the equipment of the pub as well sure they would have been showing it if the tv wasn't broken well dave was also in london yes um, being shunned by us and he found a pub with it on but he had to ask them to put it on and there was no sound yeah that's that's what i think it's going to be a lot of like if it's up against a premier league game You'll be the ostracised people in the corner. It's a shame the, as well because the, po- the poor. Because us playing a Villa on Sky, I said to you at the time, it sort of felt like a Premier League game again, just it, because it was Villa Park and it had the the camera angles that you recognise from the Premier League. It felt a bit like we were back. So to then be watching that in a pub, relegated to having to listen to the Arsenal Chelsea game, would have undone 
that nice effect, I think. Well, I thought it felt like a Premier League game in the sense that there was a real crushing disappointment. Yeah. Um, so what did, what did you think of the game? Well, to be honest, for, it was very much a game of two halves. I, I don't know if you've heard that expression before. Um, I heard it somewhere, yeah. I thought it was a game of three-thirds. Three-thirds. <laughs> but first half, we looked amazing. And we could, probably should have been at least three goals up. Like, yeah. We were all over Villa. They didn't, I think they set up quite badly, formation-wise. And you just thought we should have taken more advantage of that. We were dominant for the first hour. But yeah. um, today I re-watched the highlights on uh, the Championship uh, Channel 5 programme. Yes. Weirdly, they've got the same commentators as the Sky game ah. on Channel 5. So you were listening to the same commentary. That's not Which so means... weird, I guess. Sky have that as well. Don't... If you watch a, a three o'clock Saturday game on a stream, often that's the same commentators that you'll then sure, get on but that's like first or It's whatever. being shown live on a channel in another country. Yeah. This is Sky and Channel 5. Anyway, whatever. Well, but the, the reason I noticed it was because when Villa had that, uh, a big, that disallowed goal... Yeah. Um, the, I remembered the commentator saying, Newcastle, heed that warning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was very dramatic, I thought. Yes, he was. But he was right. Well. He was. Ominous. But re-watching the highlights, I did notice that Villa did get to a couple of pretty good chances themselves in the first half. Yeah, but they were chances that felt against the run of play. Yes, yes. We were... I think the... The main difference for me compared to other games this season was Yedlin at right back. We looked like we had proper verve and pace down that right-hand side. Like him and Richie together looked great. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Yedlin went off, that's when things started to go wrong for us. Right. Yeah, he was good. Of course, he uh, created the the goal. Yeah, the own goal. And... Uh... Uh, that came from some good movement from Dwight Gale. Yeah. The threat of Dwight Gale. Uh, I think Dwight Gale is a more threatening striker when he doesn't get the ball, based on that game alone. Based on that game. Of course well, I don't did. actually think that. But. No, but I know what you mean. He he went on to prove that that threat is, is not that tangible. Yeah. I think he's that type of instinctive striker, the Andy Cole type, where you don't want to give them too long to think. Like when he's one on one and has a bit too much thinking time, then it like he overthought that one on one, just almost played it straight at the keeper. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was the Dwight Gale chance after the uh, own goal. Yeah. One on one, he made himself the chance. Yeah. But. Uh, I had faith that he would put it away, and he didn't. I thought, yeah. I thought this is a goal because in my head, Dwight Gale. I keep on. I can't help comparing him to Jermaine Defoe all the time. Yeah, he well, he's a similar type of striker, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a poacher, and a, but a proper finisher. Yeah, but sadly, he didn't prove that in that instance. But in last week's pod, if I remember correctly, you predicted three 0 for this game. Yes. And I predicted 3-1. 
and up until an hour into the game, maybe, I was still confident yeah. that one of our results We were watching it together, and neither of us thought we were in any danger of not winning. I think we got to the stage where we were quite cockily talking about next season in the Premier League. Yeah. Which was it's a mistake. It's kind of a, a microcosm of our season as a, a fan base. We sort of flip between looking forward to the Premiership next season and then thinking it's a disaster. We're, sort of, we're kind of a club of extremes at the moment as fans. Well, here's some uh, more interesting reportage from Dave. <laughs> reportage. Yeah, at the, uh, at the Wolves Cup game. Yes. He, he said that there was a lot of miserable chatter in the crowd. We do seem to have a miserable... Like, St James's Park crowd seems miserable at the moment. There's a sense of entitlement that we should be beating everybody comfortably. And we're considering the we're club... We're playing towards the, um, the caricature of Newcastle fans. Yeah, which I always think has been unjust. I still think it is. The, the annoying thing is, if like 100 people boo... You don't hear the rest of the crowd that aren't booing. You only hear the boos. So obviously that's going to be reported on. True, but if the rest of the crowd are silent, yeah, you'll hear the boos. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. He said that there was a lot of complaining, which is a shame at the moment because the club does seem to be functioning as a good club at the moment, and the the fans were always the one bit that seemed to be functioning properly while the rest of the club was a shambles. I think it's no coincidence that a lot of the sort of hardcore fans who've been going for years just had enough over the last two or three seasons and haven't come back. I think, yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's an accumulation of... Well, I think this is, these are the ones that are still going to the games. It's an accumulation of, well, we have to talk about it for a while each week mm. and watch most of the games, but we're not paying hundreds of pounds a year yeah. to go and it's not like a big part of our weekend going to watch the match. And so there's an accumulation of a few years of of misery. Yeah. Means that you're sort of like part of your week. But is life going is to miserable. New- it is. <laughs> but part of your week is going to Newcastle and complaining about the football. So we're not sort of out of that. Yeah, but there are there are fans out there who have it worse. Totally, but that's but that's also there are a lot of football fans, no matter who they support, who are always like that. Yeah, but I don't think we've always been like that. But neither you or I has ever been like a a season ticket holder. No, but I think over the last three seasons, you notice the difference in the home crowd. You hear people who go up there saying it a lot as well. It's more of like. You get your stag do's going there now. It's kind of an event for things. There's more, there's a less, not hardcore element, because that's not what I mean, but Community people are less spirit. engaged. Yeah, it's oh, it's a shame. It's almost like a, it's part football club, part tourist destination. Right. Well, that's a shame. Um, going back to the, the Villa game, uh, there was the... Dwight Gale chance. Yeah. After the own goal. And Diame also got. Yeah, Diame had a shocking game, I thought. He got a damn good chance, didn't he? Yeah, it came to him, what, six, seven yards out? I mean, it was coming at him quite fast, but you still 
not crazy fast. No, I think it was, both of us could have got that on target. Given, I think we could have given got three it attempts. Yeah, <laughs> we could have got it. No, no, no. Just put it back. Put it up. Yeah. Put, right, everyone, stand where you were. Right, do it again. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that was harder than you did it last time. Right, do it again. Okay. But for Mohamed Diarme, that wasn't a difficult chance. I yeah. think he had a very poor game. By it was essentially standards. an open goal. Yeah. He is really, he's taking on the mantle of replacing Sissoko a bit too literally for my liking, of sort of seeming to go missing for long periods. Do you think he's got um, a bit of an attitude problem? No. No, No, I just think he's a bit inconsistent so far. I think he'll get better. Yeah. He's still quite young as well. He's got 24, 25. I don't know, mate. That's another thing I'll have to. (laughs) Siri, how (laughs) are. but yeah, I think it wasn't great. The partnership of him and Gale sometimes looks good, sometimes just both go a bit missing. I'd like to... His legs seemed to go about 20 minutes from the end and he was still... He was kept on for too long, I think. Benitez, for all his changes, he does seem to make decent changes during games and he can see where problems are. I do think one criticism in that game is that he should have brought Diarme off a lot earlier. Well, if, yeah, I was trying to do a joke there that left you with egg on your face, but the egg landed on my face because I couldn't complete the joke. But what I'm trying to do here (laughs) is uh, point out to the listeners that Diarme is 29 years old. (laughs) Which is 24 to 25-ish. It is. It's just about in that 24 to 25 (laughs) bracket. And um, and then uh, I guess I don't. Uh, I guess maybe, like you say, maybe it was when Yedlin came off. I think, but there in three... my head, yeah, it was like sixty minutes into the game, and then suddenly they just started to. Yeah, I think seemed... there were a few things that happened. So Villa changed their shape. They were sort of three-five-two at the start, and they mm. went four-four-two. They seemed just to cope much better as a team with that. I think Yedlin going off had two sort of detrimental effects to us. We lost his pace down the right. He was, it was like with Yanmat before, he was one of our main attacking outlets. But it meant, uh, what's his name? Isaac Hayden yeah. slotted in at right back. And then Czech Teote yeah. came on in midfield. And Hayden and Shelby together look like a, a very classy partnership. One has the more defensive role, one's better at going forward. They seem to know what the other one's going to do. And neither of them... Shelby looked like he was just having the easiest game of his life up until an hour. Suddenly, Especially Teote, considering he possibly should have been sent off. Mm, uh, would have been harsh, but possibly. I think it was a yellow and a half. Yeah. But then when Teote came in, you could tell Teote's not match fit. Him and Shelby didn't seem to have much of an understanding of each other. And every time Villa came forward they were just passing it around or through those two. There was no sort of defensive cover. And considering the number of players we've got who seem able to play right back, like a lot of our defence can slot in at right back too. I think Hayden is more used to us in central midfield than having Teote there. Yeah. It was a surprise to see Teote even on the bench, but I guess with Anita out, there wasn't much of a choice. Yeah, it's... Um... The resurgence of uh, some players, some of the forgotten players. Yeah, well, I think we all thought Teote would be gone by now. 
it almost feels like we might get Robbie Elliott might come back again. <laughs> that was a reference not to Rob Elliott, yeah. but Robbie Elliott. Older listeners will remember him. It would seem like he used to score so many goals, but yeah. when you look at it, it was like 10 or something. But. Uh, now, then, in the 88th minute, Villa got what just seemed so inevitable. Yeah, probably a deserved goal as well. Yeah. It's a weird game because we, we both deserved to win it and Villa deserved a draw, which doesn't make sense as a statement. Sure. But we should have put the game out of their reach. Well, ultimately, we hour. didn't deserve it because we didn't take our chances. Yeah. Um, but I see what you're saying. And, uh, and the goal uh, we conceded from a corner. Yeah. Just like back to the old days. Yeah. And Matt Sells is getting a lot of shit for it. He's probably getting far too much shit for it, I think. He flapped a bit, but he's... He's not a terrible keeper. He's coming in for a... I don't think the goal was his fault. Yeah, it was positionally... Like, he was a little bit out of position for it, but he he made some good saves in the game as well. I don't think he's a terrible keeper. He's he kept, what, four clean sheets in the last nine games or something, so it's not... He's not a bad goalkeeper. It seems unusual for us to get on a goalkeeper so quickly. He, he didn't... Um... There's just something about him that doesn't quite give you confidence. He doesn't seem that confident himself when the crosses are coming in. But But I think he is 24. Right, okay. (laughs) Well, I can't be asked to check that. He's he's coming to a new country, a new league. He's not going to slot in seamlessly. No. It'd be nice if he would. We've been blessed with very good goalkeepers in the past who've come in and performed above expectations. I don't think it helps that we've not helped, but like Carl Darlow looked good in the cup game and people do seem to want him to play. And because he's even younger, there seems to be a lot of the time fans just want the youngest player to play. I think yeah. a lot of the calls for Adam Armstrong to be playing when we've got three senior strikers ahead of him just because he's young and English. There's always just something exciting yeah. about the new, isn't there? The future. But I think we brought Sells in to be our number one it's not going to be the easiest transition, but he's keeping clean sheets whilst learning the league. Do you think that's definitely the case? He's in to be our number one. Well, maybe not when Elliot's fit, but he's in contention for it. Um, and yeah, that goal that we conceded, I wasn't quite sure what he should have done because it wasn't... Well, he so came out he, he to try and caught... claim the ball that was about five feet over his head. I don't so think he could have caught it. So it was basically that like, he couldn't have caught it, yeah. so he should have been... And that is, he does seem weak on crosses and sort of commanding his area. He doesn't, he doesn't fill you with confidence. So he should have been better prepared to just make the save. Yeah, well, it was a bad decision to try and come for it, but then... We all make bad decisions exactly. from time to time. Yeah. Um... But he got hounded off Twitter. He got hounded off Twitter. Yeah. He's the new Stephen Fry. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it was someone... I'm trying to keep up with what's going on at Twitter Twitter at the moment. I think there's a few sort of hoaxes. Yeah. Someone sent in a specific piece of nasty abuse, basically saying, I hope you break your legs and then Darlow will have to play. 
So oh. whoever it was... Was that Carl Darlow? Yes, it was, <laughs> it was incredibly yeah, honest of him. <laughs> That's why he's got a star. He's just yeah. honest. Yeah, he's just a straight talker. But... um. Yeah, someone said that, and I think that's the Because I only saw it in the paper. Anytime anybody gets any kind of comment against them on Twitter, newspapers report it as vile abuse. Yes. Which I think the word vile gets overused quite a bit for that sort of thing. Yes, and they'll often be like, Twitter reacts to the bake-off, and it's like two tweets. Yeah, there's so many football stories now are like, Twitter reacts to selection of this team. It's like, maybe we could just have less stories rather than trying to fill out everything i mean that's this is why i don't run a newspaper this is true but they're just they're easy stories to write aren't yeah they? so anyway so he was hounded off twitter but as then, well i do think deleting your account is a bit sort of that's making a statement that like you want people to see that rather than just not responding to the criticism deleting your account makes you look a bit vulnerable which well we've all been there have you deleted your account before? I've never deleted my account, but I've, you know, sat up late at night googling myself. That sounds... You might want to rephrase that. Yeah, we've all done that. Yeah. So, Google, whenever the wife's away. <laughs> Asking Jeeves. Um, you know, sometimes... Uh, yeah, but Sometimes then, one can get a little sensitive to criticism. But you sort of... I don't think he's done anything wrong as well. I just want to make that clear. But it's there's something of the teenage girl about like, oh, I'm going to delete my account then. These people are going to be mean. It's like okay. report them if they're doing anything terrible. But just ignore it. Like if you're going to be a professional sportsman, you sort of need that. As horrible as it is, it's going to happen at some point. Like all players get abuse. Well, it, it's a weird thing about Twitter, public life these days yeah. that like... Everyone sort of wants to be on social media because there's fun to it. But it does mean that you're vulnerable to, like, every time you turn your phone on, just a stream of criticism, which is not nice. No. Um, There are those who are criticising themselves, and then there have been those defending him on Twitter. And I can't work out whether this is... I know, I think I know what you're referring to. A joke or not. But... It's been suggested that there should be a minute's applause in support of Matt Sells. <laughs> Is this true? Is th- I did see it, but I can't... I'm the same as you. I can't... Because fi- if that is true, then... I mean, we're probably at the point now where it seems like the human race should call it a day. I feel like we've achieved all we're going to and we're just going backwards. And this is just another part of that. It's silly, isn't it? I mean... It's just oversensitivity and needless. Like, the whole minute's applause for anything. Like, we're going to have games soon where 45 of the minutes are applause for different things. Let's talk about that. I mean, there was a joke uh, suggestion that Villa should do a minute's applause in support of Kieran Clark or something for his time at Newcastle. But that turned out to be a joke. Yeah. Kieran Clark, by the way, let's... Uh, Kieran Clark, I know if you're listening, you'll be frustrated that we haven't mentioned that you got the man of the match. Yeah. Well done, Good Kieran. performance. Was, it's good was having performance. him and Hanley as our sort of backup centre-backs who both I look wa- better than anything we've had in the Premier League. Yeah, I wonder whether they should be our centre-backs. and it, They sort of seem like good championship 
Yeah. Centre-backs, anyway. Um, but, uh, yes, that minute's applause. Me and Dave were talking about this yesterday. Mm. This is how, what Dave said, right? There was the minute's applause. Push Dave t- under the bus. <laughs> well, he told me to, right? But there was the minute's applause on 17 minutes. Yeah. And his dad turned to him and asked him what that was for, because his dad's not a regular yeah. uh, football goer. And uh, Dave said, oh, it's this stupid thing that's been going on for three years. It should have happened. When he described that the minutes of pause was for the two guys who died three years ago. Yeah. And he said, basically, it's silly that we're still doing it. And he said everyone around him was giving him daggers, eyes, and maybe some of the people listening to this podcast are currently staring at it, giving it it's, daggers. It's a very tricky area. But I, I kind of, I can see Dave's point. Cause I've been to games over the last few years where that's been a thing. And it's, people are doing, it doesn't feel like people are doing it out of respect so much now as that it's just a done thing. And when you're doing a mark of respect, just going through the motions, then there's nothing respectful about it. No. It's, it's become such a point of routine that it's lost a lot of the meaning to a lot of people. And if you're telling, like, if you're forcing people to go along with it, not physically forcing, but you know what I mean, because it's the thing that has to be done, everyone feels they have to do it. It's not any kind of good gesture. Well, For me, it's... Like, fine doing it in the first season after it happens. Certainly. But it feels like do it for a year and then stop. Because then what happens now? Like, in 10 years' time, does it still go on and people are just... It will lose... Well, we're in, we're in a bind now. Yeah. Because it... I mean, I would have thought, and this is... I thought it was totally understandable that it happened at first. And it's, But I would have yeah. thought you'd only do it in the game after... The first game after the incident you do it. I would have thought... But fine, we did it for that whole season. Yeah. And now every game, and now we're in a bind. It's, it feels like, how, could it, how can it stop? Yeah. Unless so it can't like, Bobby stop. Robson rises from mm. the dead and comes out and gives a speech. It can't stop now without the implication of that being, as a fan base, we've decided John Alder and Liam Sweeney mean nothing to us anymore. So it's... It's weird, cause then, because the natural... Like you said, the, the natural conclusion is that in 50 years' time... Mm. there's going to be like half of games are going to be yeah. minutes applause for like various incidents that it happen over the years. It feels sort of similar to the whole Twitter thing of like everybody thinks they're a broadcaster now. Everybody feels the need if someone dies to say, oh, my thoughts and prayers to their families. Yeah, that's so, such a weird thing. It's so odd. And <laughs> that's just like some weird mate, some old mate from school is just like, R.I.P., you were the greatest. <laughs> it's like, we don't need a statement yeah. from everyone. You're not the foreign secretary. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I can understand why fans do feel the need to applaud there. Sure. We're, do- we're in danger of being the Katie Hopkins of football, yeah. football podcasts here. But um, I'm sure there are many people who will agree with us on this. At least I hope so. I'm sure there'll be many who disagree. And slapped on the front of the papers as scum. I think we're possibly wrong as well. But I think we're not... Neither of us think 
anything against like Alder and Sweeney, or that, or that, the, the, or that their commitment to the club wasn't amazing, or that it was tragic that they died. Or but that there when, was something that the club should have done to recognise yeah. them. But it's just. A bit but I think weird when a mark of respect on. becomes going through the motions, then it undermines the idea of it being a mark of respect. Yes, and uh, as a mark of respect, I'm. We're now, now going to have a minute's applause. We're now going <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah we're going st- to start, start doing it in the 17th minute of the podcast. Oh, right, let's move on. Our next match is tomorrow night yes. against Norwich. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night against Norwich City. We're Top a lot of, of midweek ga- games at the moment. We're like, it's like being in Europe. Yeah. So, yes. A very underwhelming version of Europe. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. So tomorrow night uh, against Norwich City, yep. who are, as you say, are top of the league. Yeah. Have you seen any of Norwich this season? Do they look... I know that they've... I mean, obviously they deserve to be top of the league, but they've had, compared to us, a far easier run-in. Like a lot of the teams they've played have been in the bottom half of the table. And if you look at the like that run of six fixtures that we'd marked out from the start as a very tough one. Mm. Norwich are our final one of that. And we've already taken 10 points from those six games. Right. So I think there's a bit of fatalism going on about where we are in the league at the moment that's not justified. Well, Dave is still at 90%. Yeah, I'm probably 85. Uh, just if you're um, tuning into the national. Or on about his time. iPhone battery life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this is our prediction as to uh, whether Newcastle will be promoted this season you're at 85 Dave's at 90 I'm at 75 which is I think where I was before Mm. and I think that out of the three of us I am the most correct I think the one reassuring thing is like anytime the team does manage to cock up at least we're cocking up in different ways which suggests we're getting on the training pitch after bad games and learning from the mistakes. Still making new ones in different games, but we seem, I don't know, we seem to be getting into a more coherent team game by game. That is encouraging. Um, Do you remember there was that stat last week about... Gufran? Well, there was the Goof... Oh, yeah, you had a brilliant stat about Gufran. I can't remember who it was on Twitter again, but Gufran, before the weekend's game... We'd had 10 games, seven of them with Gufran, three of them without, and we'd won all seven of the games with Gufran and lost the three without him. Amazing. So it's player of the season so far. I think it's a good argument for that. Some are are suggesting Matt Ritchie. Yeah. Certainly the Matt Ritchie's made the biggest difference to the team, I think. Yeah. But Gufran, Gufran and Ritchie on either flank looks like a decent partnership. Yeah, who like I can, it's got that feeling that we've not had a long time where you can see one winger assisting the other one, which I always like to see. Who'd have thought it? But uh, there was another stat last week about Rafa always winning the second half. Yeah, and before the Wolves game. Before the Wolves game, he and hadn't lost a second half of football. And now, in terms of league fixtures, he's lost two second halves in a row. Yeah, uh, which is. A shame. He's lost the dressing room. He's lost the dressing room. He's lost the dressing He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. And so now it's Norwich. Yeah. 
Top of the table. Uh-huh. We're at home. Norwich will be... Um, Norwich haven't got many injury problems for this game. They'll be pretty full strength. But if you remember, because they came down with us, there was a return fixture of this last year, which we won 6-2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Mitrovic, of his 10 goals he scored for us, three of them have come against Norwich. Ooh. We lost 3-2 at Carrow Road, but he got both our goals there in that really frustrating end-of-season game. Right. And we... Uh, yeah, of course, that was the game where Wijnaldum got his four goals. Yeah, and probably added about £10 million onto his transfer price, which, again, I've seen bits of Spurs games and bits of... Uh, where did Wijnaldum go? And Liverpool. Liverpool games. And Wijnaldum and Sissoko seem to have done nothing at all in the games they've played in. I think Wijnaldum's been all right for Liverpool so far. I've uh, I've seen him involved in a couple of games. I've never noticed him in their games. You look at all their players, it seems to be... Every midfielder seems incapable of not scoring, apart from Wijnaldum for them. Okay, Maybe it's a bit bitterness. Yeah, But I'm glad the amount of money we got for him. I think a lot of it was down to those four goals in that game. Sure. Now... Vernon Anita is still suspended for this game. Yeah, it's the last of his free match ban. Um, but Yedlin should be fit. He's been training, even though he came off at the weekend. Right. So, sorry, that was Yedlin should be fit. Yes. Well, that would be good. Yes. And like you say, um, Mitrovic has got a great record against Norwich. Do you think that means he'll start? Uh, I kind of hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think he probably will, just because of the rotation. Yeah. I think it'll be Perez in number 10, Mitrovic up front, because we do seem to chop and change. Although Diarme might play in behind Mitrovic. Well, there doesn't seem to be much sort of craft in there. Well, Diarme and Gale are two players who didn't make an, a great case that, they, no. they're, that they're undroppable on Saturday. So... I'd like to see that, Mitrovic. Yeah, I think with us being at home as well, I'd like to see Atsu instead of Dummett. I know Paul Dummett gets a lot of stick. I do think he's not a bad defender. He just has no idea what to do going forward. Do you mean Lazar? Yeah, Lazar. Who did I say? I think you said Atsu, didn't you? Uh, Probably, yeah. So, yeah, Lazar. Yes. Or Jesus Gamers, who I don't know what's happened to him. He seems to have gone missing. He's the new Ferreira. Oh, Yes, I'd really like to see uh, Lazar and Hammers. And uh, maybe Daryl Murphy wasn't even on the bench on Saturday. No. Well, that's the good thing about the size of our squad and the changes behind the scenes that seem to have solved most of our injury problems does mean now you have to do well in training to make the bench. Like, no, You're not even guaranteed a place on the bench anymore if you're fit and good enough for the first team. Yeah. Uh, okay, what's your prediction for this game? Uh, Norwich haven't kept a clean sheet all season. Really? Yeah. On the top? I don't think they have anyway. There's a, again, a lot of stats I'm coming out with that I'm qualifying with maybe. Yeah, this is reminiscent of, <laughs> uh, of Trump in the debate last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, but at least I'm stringing sentences together. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I think we'll win 2-0. Okay, 2-0. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to respect the fact that actually our form isn't that good uh, right now. And Norwich top of the table. So I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. Uh, Traditional. Ten points from the last five games. That's Ooh, yeah, I know. But what I mean is, you know, we uh, we threw away our last league yeah. game and we lost the game before. So, you know, and Norwich the top of the table. Mm. Just just going with lo- logic. I'm the Hillary Clinton of this well, we'll see. podcast. I just want to make Newcastle great again. Right. <laughs> By building a wall around St. James's Park. Right. Well, I'm trying to... Um, Oh, oh, satire is beyond me. I can't <laughs> do this. And then... He's a character actor. <laughs> and then on Saturday, we have Rotherham away. Yes. The big one. The big one. <laughs> Every year it comes around. We all love it. <laughs> Rotherham away. What do you reckon? I think this is the sort of fixture where our knowledge... There's no point pretending we know anything about Rotherham. Have Rotherham still got that big, fat bastard manager? <laughs> Let's say yes. <laughs> Do you know who I mean? <laughs> there's, well, there's a lot of choice. He's that one, he's like... Speaking of big, fat bastard <laughs> managers, we've not spoken about Sam Allardyce. Oh, yeah. He might lose the England job Is he... after one game, <laughs> which would be amazing. The, yeah, the talk is that he's like definitely going to lose it. I mean... All to try and get an extra 400 grand when he's paid three million pounds a year by the FA. It's brilliant. I mean, has he done anything drastically wrong? It's just a little bit dodgy, isn't it's, it? Yeah. It typifies Sam Allardyce, really, doesn't it? Oh, and then Pardew will go in and it'll be well, somehow <laughs> an even worse manager at England. <laughs> well, it's just the fact that, I don't know, it's the stings and... Oh, I don't know. It's yeah, fine. they all seem to get caught. At least it wasn't a fake shake. They seem to have got wise to that. Oh, no. Uh, Rotherham's current manager is uh, Alan. Is <laughs> Does Alan... Google say he's not a big fat bastard? It's not a big fat bastard. Unless Alan Stubbs has put on a lot of weight oh, in the Alan last couple Stubbs. of years. I like him. There was, I'm thinking of another guy. I th- he did used to manage Rotherham. Is it? It was big fat bastard. <laughs> I know the one you... Is it s- not Steve Evans? Steve. Yeah, I think. Is it Steve Evans? The one who, like, he's managed a few lower league yeah. clubs and he's just a nasty <laughs> Yeah, he's a horrible... He's a big, a fat, big fat bastard. bastard. <laughs> Where they've got Alan Stubbs now, who's, uh, like, one of the scousest men in the world. Yeah. Good defender as well. Was it Everton and Celtic he played for? Yeah. See the one who had testicular cancer? I think he did. Well, let's, let's just let's just say a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people are telling me that he <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> so what's your prediction of the result? Uh for the Rotherham game. Yeah. Uh taking two. into account all you know about Rotherham. <laughs> yeah, there's no may as well just pick two numbers. Two one away win. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll go, I'll go with 2 0. And, um, and that's the sort of game I would love to go to, but I can't. Mm. You know, going to one of them clubs that you wouldn't normally otherwise go to. Yeah, we will be attempting to go to more games this season I to at least to. bring a little bit of insight to the pod. Certainly, that would be nice. But we hope our gaps in knowledge are made up for by just <laughs> slight entertainment. 
Slight entertainment. Yeah. That's what we provide. It's That's all tagline. we aim for. Speaking of slight entertainment, before I go, I should just mention to the Newcastle Natter listener, I don't know how much crossover there is between our listenership and people who are into uh, acting, but uh, I've written a book hey. called Tips for Actors. I did release it two years ago, but we're re-releasing it. It is a very funny book. Thanks, Paul. And there is a copy... A well-thumbed copy in my toilet. That's not the only thing in your toilet that's been (laughs) (laughs) well-thumbed. Nice, there he is. (laughs) See, when he's not trying satire, he's in in like a shot. As soon as as we're talking about the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, it's a a great gift. It's a good toilet book. And also... I mean, it's not just for toilets. No, it's not just it's, for toilets. It can be read anywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's a parody book, advice for actors. Yeah. And it's very funny. It's very and funny. Audible, who sponsor every other co- podcast, not this one, <laughs> yeah. but I've, I've done an audio book of it for Audible, which comes out on Saturday. They both oh. come out on Saturday. There's a Ford from Ellen Page. Yeah. The um, actress from Juno. Actress from Juno. You know, yeah, oh, big a, shit, mate. It's a big deal. Big shit. We're back to the toilet. <laughs> uh, well, so uh, maybe that's two or three more sales guaranteed. We'll see. Well. But uh, thank you very much for being with me today, Paul. Absolute pleasure. And thank you to you, the Newcastle listener. My name is Fergus Craig. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.